Welcome back to the Big Footy Cricket Podcast with Kip Tastic, Tors and myself, Pete Tizzle. Uh, tonight we'll be talking about our highlights for the winter's cricket and we'll be talking about Australia's squad with a view towards looking towards World Cup and we'll be talking about the Zimbabwe Fire Series and the standouts from the first game in that series. Hopefully we'll be back a bit more regularly now and um, thanks for listening, enjoy. So for those of you who only follow the Australian cricket team, it's been a nice six months off, but for us cricket tragics here at the Cricket Podcast, and of course who populate the boards through the Australian winter, it has actually been quite an interesting winter's cricket, um, with lots of great performances all around the world. Um, we're just going to have a little talk about what we really enjoyed from the winter's cricket. Uh, Tours, we'll start with you. What did you find to be the most interesting or the most enjoyable cricket that you saw over the winter? Well, I mean, there was quite a few series going on, but I kind of kept myself to the ones on TV, which basically limited me to England v India, which promised to be quite a competitive um, uh, test series. But And going by the start, there was a draw, and then India managed to win a game overseas, which everyone was shocked by. Um, mm-hmm. They basically just left. They just went home after the second test, and India, uh, England just rolled right over them. Pretty much the... You know, the normal culprits are Anderson and Broad taking most of the wickets and just with their revolving door of third and fourth seamers, uh, India made them look kind of better than they were. So hopefully we see a few of them in the next Ashes series. Well, that's, that's really it. You don't really have, because of India's poor form, you can't say, all right, we know, especially their bowling line, we, we can't say we know what England's bowling lineup's going to be other than Anderson and Broad, really. Yeah, I mean, they all sort of had glimpses of, oh yeah, he could be that, he could be the guy that cements that spot, but then they'd have one good spell and they'd be back to sort of bowling rubbish again. Um, Plunkett sort of coming from the Sri Lankan series, I think people thought he had it sewn up and then he kind of looked a bit wayward, a bit unthreatening at times, um, and he was dropped and they brought in Wokes, who they seem to have a fascination I thought, about. So I thought Plunkett got injured. Did oh, was he, was he injured? I think so, but I think that might help his cause because I, I agree with you. He's probably not. He doesn't seem great, but you know, even that, even though he did get in, like so he probably did get injured. I'm just um, misremembering that, but uh, I think they were keen to probably try. Like all through the tests when Plunkett was playing, they were still mentioning Chris Jordan every second over. Like when's he going to get a chance? And the same with um, with Wokes. Yeah. Wokes just seems to me like that. Not mid 90s, early 2000s English all rounder who can't quite bat and can't quite bowl, but you know, he tries real hard and, you know, England are just looking for someone to do a bit of a job. He's a lesser Jimmy Nisham, which is not a good thing. Hey, don't, don't bag Nisham. I... No, I like Nisham, but, um, they, rem- the bowling is similar, especially. I think it's just so yeah. ineffective and wide poo, but Nisham's a better bat. One of the other things I sort of took out of it was, you kind of feel with Graham Swan, while not as good as Warren was, um, his departure, you might see that constant rotation of spin bowlers while they try and find someone who's even half as good. Um, in this series, they tended to go with a part-time option in Moeen Alley, who far exceeded expectations. Uh, do you think it's sort of a bit of a one-hit series? I mean, it's pretty good effort against a team that's noted for playing spin well, but do you think they'll get the likes of Borthwick and... Uh, 
others back in soon. I think they didn't want to throw Kerrigan to the wolves, but they also didn't opt to go with the journeyman like uh, Batty, I think his name is, and there's another bloke, left armor. Uh, so I think they will stick with Ali for a while because Borfuk's a batting all rounder. He's like someone like me. So is Ali. Yeah, but Borfuk perhaps even he can't really bat down the order. I don't think he's he's a top order batter. I mean, he bats at three in county, and Leggies are also, you know, generally less control. Um, I think they'll stick with Moeen for a yeah, bit, Borfuk- and then eventually Simon Kerrigan will come back in. Borthwick really strikes me as Steve Smith in his early career. Like they, because he yeah, can very, bowl leg spin, he, they wanted that to be his main trait. But um, he's probably going to end up being a better batsman. Probably well, you, not to the level of Smith, but still. You know what it's like, towards I mean, if if you can land leggies, even if you're a batsman, they'll want you to bowl. Yeah. Even if it's one out of ten. Yeah. One's usually some brilliant ball that spins past the edge. Looks like but, it's impressive to watch. I agree. I mean, as long as Whilst Monty Panesar still considers, still continues to piss his career up the wall, literally, <laughs> um, I think we're going to see a lot more of Moen Ali, and he probably is going to make it to the Ashes, I'd say, at the very least. Unless, yeah, barring catastrophe, I guess. Anything else that really caught your fancy, tours other than in the England-India series? No, to be honest, I haven't really followed some of the other series. I mean, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, they seem to be always playing, so... Kind of blends into one, but have you guys <laughs> have you guys followed any of their series? Um, I've been taking a close look at Sri Lanka. Um, I really like the way they go about it. Um, uh, I've been following Sri Lanka for the last few months. I really like the way that they go about it, as you do. Um, particularly with Matthews leading, and I find it interesting in that that transition period and whether they handle it well. Um, they seem to have got the stage or the step-by-step retirements going well. We've had Dilshan go from the test team. Uh, Jay Warden has just retired. Um, Sangakara is still going, but you can't see him going on for too much longer, although it seems like he's much more of a um, run-hungry batsman than maybe Jay Warden was, so he may want to continue. But it's interesting to see where that team's going to go and whether those new players coming through are going to match up to match up to what, what's come before them. But, um, you know, with Matthews leading in the way that he's batting at the moment, um, you know, they're always going to be competitive, I feel, with him in the lineup, as well as, say, a Rangana Harath, although he's quite old as well. Yep. So is there any standout performance from that? I know Harath, um, there was a lot of articles going around that he took nine for in one innings and I think 14 for the match. Yeah, that was in the last Pakistan test. So that was probably the best bowling We've seen, obviously, there was the England test, which were both nail-biters going down to the last over with, you know, not being out, England not being able to get that wicket right at the end there with the review and then um, second-last ball for Sri Lanka in the next test, getting uh, Jimmy Anderson out. You know, I mean, it was a great... That was a great test series, and really, they deserved the five tests compared to India, who probably only deserved two. Um, but Matthews knocking that second innings, um, in the second test in England was just outstanding. Um, there's probably, I know, I know a lot of people will think England losing to, this is probably the lowest point, but just seeing Cook have no idea what to do was Matthews flayed him around, flayed them around the park. Um, you know, that was, that was just an outstanding innings and one of the best I've seen, um, for a long time, um, since probably Clark's in, uh, Clark's in South Africa earlier this year. And you've got to, um, mention the, the rain game as well with Matthews, I think. 
Yeah, sorry. Um, the first Pakistan test. So when they're chasing 99 and they get it, and then literally a second after he hits the winning run, the rain pours down. Um, and, and that was that was amazing because they were they were checking for light, and you know they were constantly trying to you know slow it down. And um, then Matthews, it was like literally if he hadn't done it, that ball, that would have been it. It would have been a draw. Oh and yeah, that was that just shows like that was just his character the whole winter really. It was just yeah. And I mean like that's that's basically their amazing Adelaide, which we took to calling um glorious Gaul, so, <laughs> which I think fits well. I think I think it's appropriate. I should hopefully it should catch on. You know, I, I think the equivalent of the Channel Line marketing department should get on and release a DVD on that and constantly <laughs> refer to it, and it'll come up every rain break that there is in Sri Lankan cricket from now on if they're smart. You know. Don't worry, they're working on the memorabilia as we speak. Yeah. $500 and um, you get some of the rain that came down just after. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Dark. And they get it and they're looking for running if he hits his out and they've won it. They've won it. Sri Lanka have won an amazing cricket match. An amazing game. Oh, we're on Sri Lanka. Um, I guess I'll bring up mine, which is... And I've got a couple, but um, they're both batsmen, and it, they're both basically models of consistency. I mean, Kumar Sangakkara this year, I'm choosing to exclude his 319 and 105 against Bangladesh because it's Bangladesh, and it was also in February. But he's averaged 69.75 after that in three series and um, scored a double 100 and, you know, a 100 and... But mostly he's just constantly scored 50s and he's constantly hung around or sped up depending on what they've needed. And yeah, he just looks as good as he ever has. And with Jay Wardner leaving, I think it's a real boon for Sri Lanka. It's pretty incredible how he's batting at his age and he's still going as strong as that. And his average, you know, continues to rise. Um, it's in, his average, if you look at his average when he's not a wicket keeper in the test team, it's insane. It's one of the best ever other than, other than Bradman. Um, you know, it's it's really legitimate to start talking about him in the same bracket as, you know, Lara and Tendulkar and Ponty and Callis and all these players because he's proven, and he's proven all over the world. You, you can't really point to somewhere and say, oh, you know, Sangakara can't score runs here because he's done it. He's done it everywhere now. Which is the mark against Jay Wardner, and which is why I think that... I mean, he, he'll hit 12,000 in his next test, and... Average is 58.76, and he's just about to turn 37. And if you're in pretty much the best form of your career at that stage, it's pretty bloody handy, especially for a smaller nation like Sri Lanka. Do you you think he's a contender to knock off the likes of Gilchrist and not in those sort of like wisdom best 11s of all time? Well, it'd sort of be like picking Matthew Pavlich as a fullback, you know, (laughs) on the Australian side. Um, And his precedence there. I think... Well, you said, Kip, you've said in the past that he would be, if you needed a keeper, um, but you wanted someone to score runs, you could squeeze him in kind of thing. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's, he's a, he was always a pretty good keeper anyway. I mean, he's, he's got it all. Um, you know, you pick the guy, it, it does come down to those two. Do you pick the guy who kept all that time and scored those amazing hundreds, or do you pick the guy who kept for the first third of his career and then became this great batsman? Even though I mean, still did he did he stop keeping because of his age and that, or was it more so to usher in the new sort of generation? I think it was to get yeah get the focus like, on his batting as well probably. Um, Dick Weller and 
Um, and or is it Thurman or Shandamal? I can't remember who kicked. Shandamal. Yeah, and I'm also Prasanna sure Jay Wardner for a long time. He's dropped. He dropped the keeping a long time ago. To Jai Warner, Prasanna Jai Warner, who was probably about the same age as Sangakara. So I don't think it was a youth thing. I think it was more that they were, you know, looking to get the most out of his batting. Jay Warner is like- a very, he's very much a wicketkeeper first, batsman second, though. He's quite a, a quality wicketkeeper who's probably, you know, just in as, sort of just going as a batsman. I think Sanger's keeping is a lot like Debilia's in that. He'll do it if necessary, but probably preferably wouldn't because he's so useful otherwise. It seems to free him up more, if that makes sense. De Villiers is um, one that you wouldn't mind having in sort of like cover point or in close getting run outs. And he, and he can bowl a bit too. <laughs> it's not going to like that three of him. De Villiers is an absolute freak, obviously. But I think, you know, you'd sort of place Sangakara because it frees, it frees Sangakara run-wise if he's not keeping, as we've discussed. Your other play that you were... Really interested in over the winter? Um, it's actually a little 12 year old Joe Root, um, <laughs> who was really, really good in that series. It was very quietly. Um, every, se- every match in that five test series, he got a half century at least once, and only the third English player to ever do that. And um, his average at home is now 64.7, which is the highest by any Englishman. Um, so you know that's pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, obviously it's gonna he has he has quite a long time ahead of him, but um and he has to perform away from home a bit better. But I was actually really surprised that he performed that well, and um yeah, I just thought maybe it's worth giving him a bit of a shout out because we like to hang shit on Root, but I, he genuinely is a quality batsman. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all he's still young. I mean, he's still twenty three. I mean, even if he didn't come on right now, he'd still have plenty of time to, you know, get his career going. Um, you know, he's probably going to, as all young batsmen do, he's probably going to have another slump at some time and find himself out of the side. But you just look at him and he oozes quality. Um, you just know that his, his technique is generally good enough that he's going to find a way, even if he's found out in certain areas, he's going to find a way to come back. Much like Hughes, they just have to leave him, though. That He has to open or bat at six. They can't move him around. Um, continually moving him around, which they seem to want to do, is going to mess him up. They have to leave him where he is right now, I think. I Although, think, not that I care. Because <laughs> it's England. I think England's middle order is sorted. I think balance is secured his place. Even in Sydney, you know, he, he played a couple of Kawaja-style debut innings. You know, looked better than the runs... Um, look, look better when you talked about it than when you looked at how many runs he scored. But the old Quiny Nine conundrum. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, balance looks set at three. Bell's going to stay at four and Root at five. I think that looks like a pretty good lineup. And you know, they're not going to get rid of Cook, but you know, Robson's probably had his time, had his chance, and they could go to someone like a Hales if they want to, you know, fight fire with fire such as with Warner, who, you know, if he actually went and fought him with fire, he probably would come back with more fire. Just the type of person he is.
200 for Philip Hughes. From 151 deliveries, Jay Ray finishing on four for 349. We are coming up to the World Cup year, the World Cup in Australia in 2015, the first one in 24 years, so it'll be the first one I'll be able to go to, so I'm pretty excited about that. And, of course, this actually starts to provide some context for all the one-day cricket that's played. Um, all the sides now are starting to come together, they're starting to put together their lineups that they'll have for that World Cup, and with Australia's first squad selection in one-day cricket in quite a long time, we're going to start being able to see what the selectors feel will be our World Cup squad. Uh, the squad selected for the Tri-Series um, was, of course, Michael Clark as captain, with George Bailey as the vice-captain, uh, Ben Cutting, James Faulkner, Aaron Finch, Brad Haddon, Mitchell Johnson, Nathan Lyon, Mitchell Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Kane Richardson, Stephen Smith, Mitchell Stark, and Shane Watson. Now, the big, the big news coming out of the initial selection was the um, a mission of Phil Hughes, but he's managed to roll a ball under Shane Watson's ankle and found himself a late spot, um, even though he wasn't selected for the first game. Um, looking ahead, it's an interesting squad. Um, a few selections that, you know, are looking towards maybe auditioning people for the World Cup and a few people who may be considered um, unlucky to be left out. Uh, Tours, who do you see as probably the most unlucky to miss out of that squad? Um, I don't think anyone was necessarily um, unlucky to miss out. I think Hughes was the main one based on his form in the A-Series where he averaged over 110 in one and 70 in the other. Um, and then, of course, he comes in for Watson. It's hard, to, it's hard to know what to take from this team. I think it'll be quite close to what our World Cup side will be. But interesting seeing a comment that... Um, it could look completely different. Uh, if you put it aside of people who are missing, it could be Watson, Warner, Sean Marsh, Clark, Voges, Wade, Enriques, Mackay, Pattinson, Hazelwood, and Doherty. So, I mean, that's a side that looks very familiar to one that we've played, you know, in the last few years. So there could be quite a, a large shake-up before the World Cup. I definitely think that the two, other than Hughes, who eventually got selected, that you would have said based on their um, how much cricket they've played over the last couple of years, is probably Clint Mackay and Xavier Doherty have been mainstays at the one-day side and intermittent members of the test side, to some people's chagrin. Um, do you think they're well down the pecking order, or do you think that the selectors feel that they know what these guys are going to provide and they want to see what someone else can do, whether it can be a better job? Well, whether or not they are and if I... And and if I think they should be, Doherty shouldn't be in the team, personally. <laughs> Mackay, I mean, it's pretty harsh because he's, I think he's still in the top 10 ODI rankings, um, but so is Lon Wabo, so it's Toby, so. Uh, <laughs> um, I could see him come back if they choose to sort of balance their attack um, from sort of going all pace, which they tend to do in World Cups for some reason. Um other than that, I mean, I actually quite like the team that we've sent over for this tri-series. It's sort of... There's no, I don't really have too many complaints with it, besides probably picking too many all-rounders. I think Faulkner, while his batting's been quite good, his bowling, which is predominantly his role, probably hasn't been as good over the last 12 months. 
I'd agree with that. I think mm. he's, he's definitely getting by on his batting. Uh, um, and he's batting heroics um, as a guy to save us, but his bowling is definitely not very threatening, and he's not keeping the runs down, which is probably his role, given we have Johnson and Stark as the strike bowlers. We need someone who's going to be able to, you know, 10 overs for 45 or something like that, and he's not providing that at the moment. Well, because he he doesn't do a heap with it, and he doesn't have a heap of pace, he sort of... But he still tries to bowl like he's a strike bowler, if that makes sense. I don't think he has the tools to do it. Um... And so he needs to become a top six bat or a top three seamer. I don't know what it is about his slower ball that's really gotten worse over the last few years. It's just he used to have a brilliant one, didn't he? It just sort of it used to be the because the key with the back of the hand slow ball is to really get it to sort of loop and drop, but it kind of comes out just at the same pace almost, or or very flat where it it doesn't sort of cause him too much trouble. Occasionally you'll get it to grip if he sort of bowls it as a googly, but. I don't know. It just I haven't seen him take a wicket with it for a long time. Does he bowl a cutter or is it a back of the hand? Well, everything. Uh, well, it's out of the back is his slow ball. Every other ball is a cutter because the seam's never upright. What do you think Ben Cutting's in the squad for? His batting or his bowling? Because he seems to be like another Faulkner style where his batting is, you know, he started as a bowler, but his batting seems to be have come on. I mean, remember the Ryobi Cup last year where he smashed everything against Victoria it was insane. I think they. Um, Sorry, I think they still see him as a bowler, even though we see him as a as a batsman. I think most people who watch enough cricket can see he's a better batsman than bowler. But I think from a selection standpoint, he's still being picked uh, to bowl more so. But he's kind of competing for that same spot. I don't think you couldn't have both of them in the same side. Um, They're both bad at eight. Um, you'd assume. Um, and I think you're right. I think we would recognise that his batting is probably a higher quality, but realistically, we know that Cricket Australia will be looking at him as a bowler, and as a bowler, he's nothing special. So, Do you think they may be looking at it because it, because it is in Australia that he can... Uh, you know, if there's bouncy, uh, quick pitches, that he might be able to play a sort of stronger role with his bowling, and then his batting will be... Um, more well, it'll be useful, um, but he'll be able to sort of fill more of a, a permanent role as a bowler and won't be taking up a batting spot. I think he'll just be purely backup, to be honest. I can't see him trumping anyone unless he suddenly hits a purple patch. Well, surely, surely he's behind Nathan Coulter-Nile in that sense. If as long as Coulter-Nile becomes fit again, considering how the selections have gone over the last year or so. Yeah, and Coults can bat. He hasn't shown a lot at international level, but he's a similar kind of can belt the crap out of it if you let him have a chance. Kind of uh, bowling all-rounder, almost. Is um, Do you guys see Finch... I mean, obviously, he's innings today, but is Finch the locked-in opener and everyone else is just playing for that other spot? I think so. Yeah. I mean, people, so, people quote his stats like, oh, if you take out Scotland and that, but... I mean, he does it in 2020 as well, which is probably where his stats are a little bit better. But he just seems he, he seems like he's matured enough that he feels comfortable at international level. It doesn't seem like it's a problem for him now. He, he was, he's only going to get better. Yeah. So given given that, we've probably got three options considering they stop playing Watson as that opener, which personally I think he should be the opener because it gives the flexibility in the middle order to carry... Not to carry, sorry, but to have a Steve Smith in there. Along have a with nudge, yeah. Yeah, middle order batsman. But 
is it out of Hughes, Marsh and Warner to, to partner Finch in that World Cup? Is that the three? No one else? Maybe, maybe Haddon. I mean, they went back to him. I think that, I mean, he did do it last World Cup, Haddon, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't rule that out. I honestly think he might be more of a chance than Marsh. Um, I know I'm still not totally convinced by Warner personally, so I reckon, yeah, it is, it is still fairly open. So putting, putting your, um, integrity on the line and your cricketing mouse, who do you guys, who, if, first game of the World Cup, who's opening with Finch? One word answer. Warner. Hughes. But I wouldn't be, are, I wouldn't are be. Are you just... asking who we think or who we want? <laughs> Who, who do you think they'll select? I don't. Warner, we, I think Warner. we can uh, who, who will that? They'll select Warner. I just think it doesn't matter how bad he does in one day cricket; he'll, he'll just keep getting picked. I think I, we we would want Hughes, but they'll select Warner. There's no doubt. I agree with that. I think that's the way they're going to go. Um, finally, um, I don't know how this has come about, but with Shane Watson's injury and Mitch Marsh being selected and being picked about three, some people, are, some people, I don't know where they're getting this from, seem to think that Shane Watson is not going to be selected for the World Cup. Now, I want to get it... Could you be talking about, Kip? I want to get this straight out. <laughs> Watson is guaranteed the World Cup spot. Barring injury, he will be there the whole thing. There is no way they're going to drop Shane Watson who's probably our best one-day batsman for Mitchell Marsh, who has not proven anything at this level yet, except he can hit Zimbabwe around a bit. Um, Let's let's stop the discussion once and for all. Watson will bat at three in the World Cup. End of story. There is no discussion. But, but, you know, to be totally honest, if you look at his stats over the last three years, then... Well, if you take a certain (laughs) period of time and you take out the dead matches and... You know, live matches, he doesn't score that many runs, apparently, in Test cricket. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the kind of comeback that you would get from that, you know, the sort of leading question comeback <laughs> constantly. Um, Do you think 28 average is good enough for number six? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Do you think if Mitch keeps going well in this tournament that he might still find a spot in the team? Or do you think, nah, he's just gone once Watson comes back? It's actually very interesting because he batted really well in that first game. It's Zimbabwe, but he looked comfortable for once. Well, I kind of got, I got shot down when I said he shouldn't have been batting at three, and I think he was at about 65 not out at the time. So it was a bit hard to convince people, but I think long-term that's not his spot. Um, well, so I, think, I think Smith probably should be batting there ahead of Mitch in this series with just, Clark out. Just Smith seems like the sort of guy who can turn the strike over a lot better um, and just accelerate his innings as he goes on. Uh, Where do you like Marsh? Mitch, sorry. Like. I don't know. He's a hard one because he 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 plays better with the pace coming on, so you kind of want him up higher, But and I think he's probably not as strong against spin like most Australians, but I think he still has to probably slot in around six. What do you reckon about giving him a crack Opening against Zimbabwe, second game. I don't think we need more opening options. That's the problem. We're already trying to fit four on into one spot. I don't think sort of adding Mars to that's going to. I guess help more us. hypothetically, do you think that he would succeed at that? I mean, he probably would because it's Zimbabwe. But do you think he has the? I mean, I guess from yeah, what you said, I don't think up. it's. I don't think it's much difference to opening at that stage. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think you know seven or eight years ago people would have said. 
you're going to open in one day cricket with Shane Watson, but he did it well for, for three or four years. Is probably one of the best in the world at it. So, and Mitch Marsh bats similarly in that you know he can whack the ball a fair way. So I definitely think he um, is an option there in the future, just not for this World Cup. So, so I want to bring up Nathan Lyon. He was a little bit of a surprise selection for this series because he hasn't really been looked at as a limited overs bowler. He got a couple of wickets, but he also went for a bit, uh, went for a fair bit of tap in the first game against Zimbabwe. It's going for nine or so the first few overs, yeah, wasn't it? I think it was about 42 for two off seven overs, just off the top of my head, but, um, which is far too expensive against Zimbabwe, alone any team. Um, I still kind of expected that he might get the whole series and just see how he goes, but they've dropped him after one. Do you, I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll come back, but do you think that's a really bad sign for him leading up to the World Cup? He hasn't played a lot of short-form cricket in the last few years, so he probably needs some time to, to get into that. And, you know, if we weren't playing um, Pakistan and UAE at the same time, you'd want him to get a full season with South Australia for the Rovi Cup to see how he goes. Um, but, I mean, if you don't go with Lyon and you don't want to go with Doherty, who else is there? There's really... You can't, sure? I can't... Steve Smith took 3 for 16. I mean, if you're looking for that specialist spinner um, to have in the squad, who do you, and you don't go with Doherty because you you don't rate him, and you, Lyon can't show that he can be controlling, who do you go with? Is there anyone else who's ready to fill that role? I reckon... Is there Mer- Sorry, you want to go? I was just saying, I, I think in Australia, we won't pick a frontline spinner. I think we'll pick four yeah. quicks and Maxwell. And what, Smith. Or five, even five, five quicks with all-rounders coming to play. Maxwell um, and Smith. Maxwell like, and Maxwell. Smith. Can bowl seven or eight. Max can, uh, Smith can bowl two or three, depending on that's what's not, happening. That's not even counting Finch's ten. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's when he's captain. Uh, Finch is obviously the front line spinner, but that's not right. happening just yet. So, as I pointed out, he was list, he was listed second by the commentators <laughs> after the line as our in our spin lineup. Slip them a twenty. I'm still, I'm still waiting for the day when Finch can play when there's a rev meter in place. Because I think it, if it could go backwards, it would. <laughs> Does it go in the negatives? <laughs> He'd, the find negatives. <laughs> He'd find a way. He'd find a way. Oh, boy. He's, um, yeah, he's bringing back the nude ball, old uh, Finchy. So we played our first game in the Zimbabwe Triangular Series at Harare Sports Club. And unsurprisingly, we set Zimbabwe a huge total of 350. We actually started off slow-ish. Uh, given the opposition, nudged it round a bit, Finch and Haddon. But eventually, thanks to Marsh and Maxwell belting the crap out of it, we got to 350 and uh, Johnson broke a window and then, unsurprisingly, we had them all out and under 40 overs and nearly won by 200 runs. Best performers with the bat were Maxwell, 93 off 46, still can't get that century. And Marsh, 89 off 83. Best with the ball was uh, the legend Steve Smith, 3 for 16. And Nathan Lyon took 2 for 42. And Stark took 2 for 23. Hamilton M, top scored for Zimbabwe with 70 runs off 91 balls. Put up a bit of resistance. And that was about it, to be honest. Um, Raza, maybe a little bit as well. And their bowlers. All went for a heap except for the Prosper 
uh, Utsaya, who is currently under investigation for throwing. So, what do we take out of that game, if anything? Um, Maxwell likes to belt rubbish around the park. <laughs> Get ready for a broken fucking window. <laughs> I don't think he's that picky on rubbish or good balls. He just goes after everything. He is so funny to watch that, like... <laughs> I do not believe that he pulls off some of the stuff he tries. Like, that 80-metre reverse sweep that went flat for... And that was after he'd missed, like, two or three attempts in a row, and you think, just put it away. Just put it away, and then he just nails 100 metres. And the commentator's, like, so shocked that he managed to actually nail it and hit it for six. Um, But, no, it's really good that he is actually continuing the form, because he's very entertaining, you know, um... Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't get a bowl, actually. I mean, I don't think we, le- I don't think we learnt anything from this, other than maybe you know Mitch Marsh can build in innings. Um, everything else, you know, Finch scored a half century. Haddon did all right as an opener, but probably a bit slow. Um, you know, Smith and Faulkner had to come in and swing from the hip and couldn't do it um, this time. Um, the bowlers, you know. There's nothing, nothing surprising about the bowlers. Richardson didn't impress all that much. Uh, line was expensive at times. Um, you know, there's not really much you can take out of this game. It's really more of just a, you know, let's get it, let's start getting some competitive cricket into the side and see how they mesh. I think, um, I mean, you can read something into maybe that they actually are serious with wanting Smith to bowl more because they did put that out in public saying, well, yeah, we want Smith to work on his leggies and um, maybe bowling him was a sign of, like, we're actually serious about that. That wasn't just something for the media. We actually want Smith to work on his leg spin, which... Well, you got, what, there was no better time. First, think about that. He thinks... Again and again, Zimbabwe, yeah. There was no better time for well, him bowl him as a leg spinner. That's right, him. But more so they bowled him ahead of Maxwell, um, Kip, is what I'm thinking. Um, I know it's Zimbabwe, but, like, do you guys think it's intelligent that we're actually, that they are publicly pushing him and he's saying, yep, I'm up for it? It's, it's only intelligent if it doesn't affect his batting. Um, cause at the end of the day, his batting is the most important thing we get from him. Um, his spin is a bonus. Um, we don't want his batting to be affected, I think. Um, you know, I think he's useful enough as he is. I don't, I mean, you can always put more work into it. Um, and he'll get better as time goes on. Um, but I don't, I don't think we're looking at the next Richie Benno. I think he'll, I think he'll be good, but not, you know, as good as that, as some people have suggested he could be. Well, just, just to finish it off then, do you guys just want to run through one highlight each from the game? I know somebody's going to choose the obvious one, but, um, Torres, you want to go first? Um, always nice to see a leg's going to get wickets with rubbish. Which is pretty stiff. <laughs> um, oh, just probably the innings of Maxwell always entertaining, and to see Mitch bat really well. I mean, there, like I said, there wasn't much more to take from that game besides Johnson sort of a single highlight. Would yeah, be. I'll leave it to you. But I mean, Johnson's um, clean striking was a, a highlight. He barely he was sort of swinging from like a golf shot more than a, a slog. Hey. He times incredibly well for a bowl. He's always, he's always been a good, sweet timer of the ball. He's got such a great swing. It's like a golf swing. Beautifully struck. Oh, it's hit the commentary box window and there's glass all over the place. Oh, my word. You all right, Pom? Yep. 
the grass everywhere. Dear me. Oh. Um, my highlights only come today when it's been revealed that opening bowler for Zimbabwe, uh, Tanache Panyangara, sent a video round to the Zimbabwe batsman of Mitch Johnson cocking people on the head and said, have fun. And it's turned out that for Zimbabwe cricket, Zimbabwe cricket, that's probably the worst crime in history, and he's been fined and sacked from the team for the rest of the series. Ridiculous which I find, overreaction. <laughs> given their lack of talented players, is a bit of a overreaction. Did it have anything? Yeah. Do you think it had anything to do with him going at nine point seven ones and runs and over? <laughs> It wouldn't have helped. <laughs> he was obviously nice as it was. What a ridiculous trying to find reason to get sacked, though. It's like going on YouTube. I'm not allowed to have any personality, except taken to the ninth degree. Um, for my highlight, I'm actually going to go with something a bit different. Given that, you know, Johnson was not too long ago, he bowls to the left, he bowls to the right, and still can be a bit wayward. I just thought it was really good to see him go, you know, at... Um, 1.16 economy off his six overs. Um, you know, six overs, two maidens, one for seven. That's pretty bloody handy, even against Zimbabwe. And to be fair, Raza was literally just trying to get out of the way of it most <laughs> of the time and wasn't playing at it. Um, but I just thought that control was good because people were getting smacked around a little bit. I mean, Richardson went for a bit. Lyon, as we discussed, went for a bit. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see Mitch has still got the control, you know, even without the moustache and a little bit of time passed. Mentioning... No, it's, 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 it's evil Johnson. This is like his <laughs> ultimate universe counterpart. Mad scientist Johnson. Geez, Raza's innings was one of the more interesting ones. He seemed to get further and further towards square leg every <laughs> ball. He seemed shocked every time he hit it, but he can time a ball. Yeah, he hit... He was actually, like... Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he got out to lie in the end, which is the funny part because he was so scared of the fast bowlers. But still, thirty-three or forty against Australia isn't bad for a Zimbabwe batsman. I think the big disappointment for me is Brendan Taylor doesn't seem to be firing anymore because he's their best batsman. Well, they dropped him though. Like, he, yeah. how's his confidence going to be? He's their best batsman, I'd say. Um, Shigenborough maybe if he ever gets his head on straight which he seems to do about one in every 20 innings even though he's captain now um, but yeah it's dropping him I, just, I will never understand why they did that and I'm not surprised he's come back and not shown anything um, maybe give him a bit of time yeah. um, so obviously Australia's playing South Africa now um, with Finch scoring 100 um, Hughes finally picked scoring a 50 um, Richardson got a wicket. Richardson's actually got a wicket. Um, Bailey got 66. Um, Steve Smith actually played the late innings, hit a roll reasonably well if half of them were edges off Jade Dernbach's style bowling. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we can't really talk much more about that um, as the chase is progressing. Um, predictions, is South Africa going to chase this down or is it... No, nah, we'll, we'll win this. Yeah, I reckon we've got enough bowling to restrict them. Yeah, they're slowing down as we speak. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, total. I don't like South Africa's middle order or lower middle order. I don't, you know. <laughs> I do like impress. David Miller. But... Miller's like uh, Finch or one of those. He's sort of feast or famine. I think. 
I think the tail's too long to chase this total. Yeah, it's yeah, staying at nine in an ODI. I'm not sure about that. Um, Parnell and McLaren, obviously, uh, in the Wokes mould. So, yeah, so obviously we'll probably all have egg on our faces next time <laughs> from us. And South Africa chase it down off the last ball with Imran Tahir hitting a six or something like that. The bonus point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, thanks for joining us. Um, hopefully there's many more of these and this one actually has saved on Torz's computer this time. Computers, computers are hard. <laughs> and Thorne, you know what you have to do. Do it again. You're right the first time.